As we gather for worship this morning, we are glad to be with you. We want to worship the Lord with you. And if you are able, would you please stand? And we are going to start today by singing the new song we sing. Good morning. We'd like to thank you for joining us today. I'd like to thank the Fisher family for each Sunday morning providing us with some wonderful music and worship. Thank you so very much. 
We're so glad uh, for what God is doing and the wonderful things that is happening. It's exciting, even though that we are having to stream, even though that we're not able, as we usually do, gather together, we are seeing some wonderful things happen. Durham Ministers in Prayer is a group of ministers and laypersons that have been meeting together, joining together every Tuesday morning, uh, 9.30 on 9th Street. And we've been gathering there for over 20 years. And our goal, our purpose, our focus is to pray for this city, pray for this community, pray certainly for our nation and the world. And so I just appreciate them. Last Tuesday as we were on a conference prayer, now there's about 45 ministers that meet, but usually there's about 15 to 20 each Tuesday that is meeting. But last Tuesday uh, in our conference prayer, one of the brethren prayed concerning our relevance when it comes to the church's relationship to the world. Are we influential? Do we influence the world? And so I began to think about that, and I began to think about a message that the Apostle Paul preached in Athens. It's, it's recorded, and it's, it's, it's one of the greatest messages ever preached. It's recorded in Acts chapter 17, and the Apostle Paul goes there to minister. And so I'm going to read some scripture. I can't read it all because it's, it's the, an entire chapter. But uh, let's, let's pick some of the verses and read them. If you'd like to read along with us, it's Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 34. I think Brother Michael is going to put the writing or the reading on the screen, New King James Version. And uh, then Paul stood in the midst of the Aragopas, that's Mars Hill, and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Does that sound familiar with us today in our world today? Boy, there's a lot of religion. But he said, I understand that you're very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with an inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship, Paul said, without knowing him, I proclaim to you, verse 24, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live, in him we move, Paul says, and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, 
we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold, silver, stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this by all by raising him from the dead. In verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, Well, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed among them Dionysus, the Aragite, a woman and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. What a message. What a powerful message. And I thought to myself, you know, if Paul, living then, preached this message, knew how to relate to the educated, to the very elite of that day, Athens. Uh, Paul was preaching to the intellectual capital of the world, uh, an audience of Gentiles that had many gods. My, my, my. You're talking about a diverse group of people. And we have that with us today, America especially, people of all ethnicity, people of all races. And it is the responsibility of the church to be relevant to each and every one. Can we? Are we? It's our responsibility. I wanted to mention this. After being chased out of Thessalonica and Berea for preaching the good news about Jesus, the Apostle Paul spent a few days in the city of Athens. While waiting, he did a little sightseeing. Paul came to Athens as a sightseer and became a soul winner. You see, Paul was a prophet, not a tourist. And I wonder, do we keep this in mind as we live our daily lives, whether it's work, vacation, or wherever we are, do we remember and understand and reminded of the call that is upon us, of the talents and the abilities that certainly God has given to us? Paul did not purpose to evangelize those Gentiles, but he could not help to do so when he was deeply stirred in his soul over the rampant idolatry. Paul's speech becomes a model for how to witness to the educated post-Christian mind. We live in Durham, North Carolina. Listen to this survey, a survey of the smartest cities or cities that are ranked by intelligence. The top five smartest cities, this survey did, in America today. Number one, Boulder, Colorado. Number two, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Number three, and I question this in Washington, D.C. And then the number four 
is Durham, North Carolina, and five, Fort Collins, Colorado. So we live with an educated people. We preach to an educated people. We converse and relate to educated people. Can we do that? Are we, are we able to be relevant in this day and hour in which we live? We can. Uh, so, someone said that uh, the two ways to be relevant, and I'll just get these right up front. Number one is to preach the gospel and live the gospel. The gospel transcends, transcends the culture. So we are to preach the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, by the way, it's never out of date. It's always current. And it doesn't matter who it's to. It's always applicable for whoever you're talking to. But the number two way and the second way for the church, and I'm talking about the church today, being relevant is to reach out to people. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. This nation is filled with a lot of darkness on every hand, from corner to corner, from coast to coast. But you and I, we are the light. We are supposed, and we should, and I believe we can, and we will shine light. The light shineth in darkness, the Bible says, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. It's time for the church to really be a light. Stop hiding your light under a bushel. Use what God has certainly given you to reach out to a lot of hurting people. Number one, I want to look at this, Paul at Athens. Athens, it was said of Athens, it was a wealth of mentality. The city was wholly given to idolatry. And all that Paul could see was sin and superstition. When we go out into the world today, when we watch television or listen to the music that is being produced today. Does that sound familiar? The sin and the superstition? Paul's spirit was stirred within him. He was greatly, the translation NIV says, greatly distressed. When we look at the condition of the world today, how do we react? Paul's response to idolatry in Athens is instructive for us because we are living in an increasingly pagan environment. One of my favorite writers and speakers is John Maxwell, and he said that there are law of connection. When it comes to the law of connection, it was very important. And he and we as we look at what he said, we understand why. Paul was effective in Athens. First of all, effective soul winners, and if, when we uh, touch people's lives, connect before 
they expect. They connect before they expect. There's no way we can win the lost as a church, as believers, as Christians. There's no way we can do that until we are able to connect with those people. Our church belongs to the full gospel fellowship of churches and ministers international. And that is a fellowship network of thousands of members around the world. Our headquarters is in Dallas, Texas. I've had the privilege of serving on the executive board of this fellowship for many years. And back in 1991, as chairman of the education department, we established a scholarship ministry. We began to give scholarships to qualified students. And it's been one of the greatest things that I have ever been a part of. We've provided well over a half million dollars to qualified students. Over a half million dollars since 1991. And about nine years later, we were giving scholarships to young men and young, young men and young ladies that were going to be have pulpit ministries, be pastors, evangelists, missionaries. And about nine years ago, we started doing something that I think was so vitally important. We started giving scholarship not only to those that were going to have a pulpit ministry, that were going to be pastors and evangelists, evangelists, but those that were going to minister in the marketplace. They could be doctors, lawyers, mechanics, seamstress, whatever. As long as they had a strong testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when Paul went to Athens, he went and preached in the synagogue. But he preached not only in the church, and we thank God for the church. The church is the mechanism where God reaches out to a lot of people, where a lot of people can attend and bring their hurts and their concerns and be lifted up with music and praise and hear the word of God, the church. But not only did Paul go to church, the synagogue, he went to the marketplace, the very essence of where they all gathered together and they received all kind of teaching, some good and some not necessarily good. It is important today that the church realizes, yes, people need to hear about God. I, I mentioned a while ago about Durham Ministers in Prayer that we've been meeting for over 20 years and every third Tuesday for 20 years We've been reaching out to the people in the city of Durham and the vicinity. We'll go pray with the mayor. In fact, we've prayed with every mayor of Durham for over 20 years. We go to the police chief. We go to the jails. We go to the streets and minister to people. So it's one thing to be in church. It's one thing to pray. Someone says, we need to do more than just pray. Absolutely. And we do. Prayer is the backbone. Prayer is the first step. But we reach out to people, whether it's on the streets, whether it's in their homes, whether it's in the jail. And that's what 
Paul did. He, yes, he went to church, and yes, we should belong to the church, but we need to go beyond the walls of the church and reach out to a lot of hurting people. When we look at the condition of the world today, how do we react? So John Maxwell goes on, and we find out Connection precedes decision. It's time that the church would dialogue in the marketplace. It's time that the church, and I believe many churches are, would reach out to those that are suffering, hurting, sick, afflicted. You know, Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me not. I was sick and you didn't visit me. The people that he was talking to couldn't understand that. How did we see you in prison? How, Jesus, did we see you sick and afflicted? He says, as you do it unto the least of these, my little ones, you do it unto me. What a great statement. And I thank God that we can reach out to a lot of hurting people. Paul started where they were. When we speak about Jesus, we must understand our audience well. Paul found some common ground with his listeners. One of my favorite scriptures is John chapter 4. And it's a great story of Jesus himself going to a well and at that particular time, a woman came out to draw water from the well. His disciples were not there. They'd gone to town to get some Burger King, whatever, some food. When that woman came to Jesus, you see, it's time that we connect. We find out, lady, the immorality of this woman and how sinful she was and been married five times and living with someone and not even married to them. Jesus didn't start out saying, lady, you, I, you, you just shouldn't live that way. He, he, didn't, he did not have what so many people have, a judgmental spirit. He simply said this. He said, give me a drink of water. Oh, my goodness. Did that open a door? And church, we're not to condemn and judge people. We are to be relative today. Now, well, let me say something that's important right here. Not relative to the point where we compromise, especially when it comes to sin and morality. Not relevant to the point where I've got to tattoo my bodies and pierce my body and go out so people can see that I identify with them. Not relative to the point that we say that any religion is an okay to get to heaven. It's not that way. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not talking about that kind of relativism. I'm talking about understanding their hurt and their pain and not to condemn them or judge them. Years ago, I was uh, on Saturday night planning for my Sunday morning service. Our church at that time was on Main Street and, Street, and there were people that would come into the church and 
That night, the lights were off in the auditorium, and I was on the platform with my guitar, and I was singing. And this form came into the back and sat down and while I was singing. When I finished singing, he came up to the front. And back then is when guys wore long hair. His hair was all matted and he was unclean. And he said, can I play your guitar? Had a Dub Gibson. If you know anything about a Dub Gibson, it's a very, very nice guitar. I was reluctant to let this young man play my guitar, but I said, yes. Yes, you can play my guitar. He took the guitar and started stringing it and singing. And uh, then he related this story to me. He said, you know, I, uh, I wanted to accept Jesus Christ, and I went to a church here in Durham. And I went down to the altar, and I knelt at the altar, and while I was kneeling there, he didn't look presentable physically. Hey, that's okay. But while I was kneeling there, he said, the preacher came, knelt down next to me. He said, young man, you get up from here. You go clean yourself up, and then you come and kneel in this altar. Is that the way we are supposed to be with that kind of attitude? We'll never reach people that way. We must connect with them. We must love them. We must demonstrate compassion, but avoid a judgmental spirit. I want to identify with your hurt, with your pain. And there are a lot of hurting people today that we certainly need to identify with. Let me briefly go through the sermon that the Apostle Paul preached. May I, again, it's one of the greatest sermons that ever was preached. And I would encourage you to read the whole chapter of Acts chapter 17. Great chapter. It's very, very instructive when it comes to you and I, when it comes to the church being relevant. First of all, the creative power of God in verse 24. And I read those to us earlier. The, listen, he said, I, I saw this sign said to the unknown God. Let me tell you about that unknown God. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And I said earlier that the gospel, it it takes you into an area where it doesn't matter who they are. You can talk to that person. And the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ transcends that culture. And Paul said here, he said, I want to tell you about the creative power of God. God does not dwell, he said, in temples made with hands. This is a God that created man. Not only the creative power of God, but the spiritual character of God. God Almighty is the sustainer of life. Listen, the God that we serve, he's not just any God. He is the God. And Jesus Christ is the one that... that draws us by the Holy Spirit, forgives us, cleanses us. And he made everything. 
but he not only, God did, create everything, but he sustains everything. And every, listen, you want a good gift? James tells us where we can find it. Listen to James. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He don't change. You can't be good enough to make God love you more. But you can't be bad enough to make God love you less. And every good and perfect gift comes down from Jesus Christ. You might say to me, Pastor, are you saying the education I had came from God? Yes. Oh, I thought it came from my mom and dad. They may have supported you in that. They may have provided you with a higher education. But let me tell you where that came from. It came from God. You say, I went to the doctor and the doctor doctored me and I'm better and I'm healed. Let me tell you where that healing came from. I thank God for doctors. I thank God for mom and dads, but every good and perfect gift comes from Jesus Christ himself. The universal brotherhood of man. God is the father of all mankind. And God brings us together. doesn't matter who they are. Blacks, whites, Hispanics. All over the world, no matter where you are from, no matter who you are. First of all, you're no better than anyone else and you're no less better than anyone else. God is a maker of all mankind. And then the overruling providence of God. God rules all nations. He created every nation and determined the rise and fall. I'm not saying he made a Hitler like he was. Hitler made Hitler like he was. A sinner makes himself like he is. God created you, though. And when a nation forgets God, and when a family forgets God, and when an individual forgets God, they're in big, big trouble because God made you to be good. God made you to be righteous. Now, we are born in sin. We certainly are. We are born because of the fall of man, and this kind came upon all mankind. We are born there. But in the meantime, at the age of accountability, mine was nine years old. When I realized I needed a Savior, I needed someone to deliver me. At the age of accountability, it's when we're to accept Jesus Christ, that we might know him certainly as our personal Savior. Man's need of God, the, here's what Paul is saying, the universality of the presence of God. Let me say you something. To the unknown God, God's knowable. He shouldn't be unknown to you. He should be a God that you get acquainted with. How do I do that, Pastor? You can't see him. You can't hear him. He, I mean, he's, he's way out. He's not way out yonder somewhere. It's just like Paul said here to these people at Athens. He said, he's not far from any of you. 
in sitting on that couch or sitting there in the chair or whatever, wherever and whatever you're doing, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what your address is. It doesn't matter the condition of your home. You could be in the hospital, a rest home. You could be any place. Let me tell you this. God is not far from where you are. You might say, Pastor, he don't know. I'm hurting. He don't know about my children that are in, in rebellion. He don't know about my grandchildren. He don't know the pain in my heart. He don't know what I'm going to owe you through. Oh, yes, he does. Not only does God know, he cares. Hey, but not only does God know and that God cares, God can do something about it. He's not far from you. He's a whisper away. All you need to do is call on him. All you need to do is pray. That God himself is a source of life, a challenge of the sermon, and he said repent. Not only is God merciful, not only is God a God that displays the fruit of the spirit of love and kindness and all of those things, not only that, my friend, but he is our judge. Today, he's your savior. Tomorrow, he may be your judge. Today, he's your rescuer. He'll rescue you. Wherever you're at, wherever you are from, they need to seek the Lord. That's what Paul said. This is a purpose. And I got to close. That's what Paul said. They need to seek the Lord. Now, listen to this. Some believed of these people that he preached to, whether it was a marketplace, whether it was a synagogue, wherever it was. Some believe, some procrastinated, so I'll see you at another time, and some just flat out doubted and rejected. Are you going to believe? Or are you going to say to Pastor Don, Pastor Don, let's just put this off a while. Let's just wait a while. I, 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 I want a relationship with God, but I'm going to, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll never forget many years ago, and I'm closing. I'll never forget many years ago, I visited Duke Hospital many years ago, 40 years ago. And I talked to this lady, and I felt very strong that she should accept Jesus Christ. She was not doing that bad physically, really. Uh, her idea was to get out of the hospital, get well, and whatever. But I felt very strong that day for her to accept Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. She said, no, Pastor. She was very kind. She was kind in her rejection. No, Pastor, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. I've got some things I want to do. I've got some things I want to work out. She never came out of the hospital alive. We're not promised of another day. I want to speak to you that don't know Jesus. I want you to know him. I want to speak to you that do know him. I want you to be like Paul. I want you to be relevant to your community, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your enemies. I want you to know a way to where we can reach out, take hold of hands, and come together. Certainly, that's one. Pray with me. Father, I pray for every mom, every dad that's uh, viewing this telecast. I ask God that you might minister unto them. I pray, Heavenly Father, if they do not know you, that they would say an eternal yes to you, that they would say yes 
as they repent of their sins. And God, I pray for each and every Christian, every believer that's under the sound of our voice today. I pray, God, that they may begin to reach out in faith, that they may be able, dear God, to say, I want to be the light in this dark, dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Leave me in.